0: The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Hey, good Tuesday, everybody. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I am your host, Dan Bespris, and you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris. That's easy enough, isn't it? D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. The number of recruits have slowed here slightly, so I'll give you a couple of days off the recruiting pitch today, and I'll throw something else in your face at some point during the podcast. I haven't decided exactly what it's going to be, but I'll ask you for something because that's... You know, that's the give and take. I will escort you through this fantasy season as per usual, but I do require your cooperation in return. Hoopball, you can follow at Hoopball Fantasy. That is the fantasy news Twitter feed for the website. The actual site itself is hoop ball.com. Do check that out as well. We've got a Monday recap, not a giant one either, just seven games on Monday, a little Tuesday preview, kind of your traditional. Tuesday show today. Nothing, nothing crazy. Nothing too out of the ordinary. Uh, so let's just dive right on in. Nothing else to go through here at the front end of the show. I do at one point, or some point. Guess it doesn't need to be one point. It could be some point. I want to go over some of the results of the data we went hunting for yesterday. So that'll also appear uh, midway through the program today. You may recall on yesterday's show, if you listened to our, our Monday show, there were three players that as we were working our way through the weekend in reverse chronological stylings, that I said, here's some guys where I think maybe my assessment of them differs from the fantasy community at large, and I wanted to go and find out if I was right about that. So we'll, dive into the, we'll, we'll dig into that maybe in between the recap and the preview portion. So stay tuned. We'll get to that here in just a little bit. Let's break down the Monday card. There weren't that many things that jumped out at me. One of them was a, a minor injury, and that's here in this first ball game. The Knicks were in Brooklyn. The battle for New York once again went to the Nets. In fact, they swept the season series, although this was a good ball game, Brooklyn won it on a pair of free throws with four seconds to left. I believe it was Jeff Green who took 13 foul shots in the ballgame. Go figure that one out. James Harden reaggravated his hamstring. It was listed as tightness again, but he bailed out four minutes into the ballgame, so Kyrie Irving put up a 40-burger with a couple of boards, seven assists. Big ball game for Kyrie, who continues to have, really by all accounts, a career season in Brooklyn. He's number five on a per-game basis this year. Unfortunately, he has missed some ballgames, so he's number 13 by totals. But no matter how you slice it, he's currently beating his ADP. Per game or totals. And Kyrie Irving, for all the weirdness, the missed weeks early in the season, the three missed the road trip here missed lately, you know, maintenance day here and there. He's actually been a really nice fantasy value this year. Joe Harris is locked into a big role when Harden's out. I you know, I'm pro Joe Harris regardless, but it is nice to see him just get to do a little bit more uh, as his stuff was trending down a tiny bit. He's number ninety on a per-game basis, but he's been quite durable, so he's better than that per game. You just keep rolling him out there for the time being. And LaMarcus Aldridge is the other guy I want to talk about. I'm not interested in the Jeff Green experience. As guys get healthy, he's going to get squeezed. I'm not sure LaMarcus gets squeezed the way these other guys do. He's the starting center on this team now, and I don't like what he's become here late in his fantasy career. This seems like he's sort of, his body has finally gone over the the far end of the fantasy useful pool, but he's getting blocks because the Nets are not that great at keeping guys in front of them, so he's hanging out back near the rim and he's getting his slap-down blocks. He's not taking that many shots, which is probably a good thing. He seems slightly more willing to rebound in Brooklyn than he did in San Antonio, and that'll be useful. But look, if he's getting minutes in the high 20s, then he belongs on fantasy teams. That's just the long and short of it. So he's kind of the third guy right now, and then obviously Harden and KD when he comes back. And, um, you know, I don't want to roll out the Mission Accomplished banner or anything, but I think we kept you guys off of a Nick Claxton problem. There just wasn't ever going to be enough opportunity for him. And a guy that can't shoot free throws, he's much better, by the way, when James Harden is getting him the basketball. So that's also something to watch. But... Look, uh, KD's out. Blake Griffin sat this one out. DeAndre Jordan's just not playing anymore. It's a real logjam. More interestingly, the New York side, we are watching a couple of things. Nerlens Noel was actually quietly having an okay ball game before tanking two free throws down the stretch that really could have changed this ballgame quite a bit. Uh, six and five with a couple of blocks. You'll take that. Three out of four shooting. You'll take that. If he hits his free throws, you pretty much got what you wanted to out of him. Maybe minus like a steal. I will note, by the way, for those of you that are in panic mode about him losing the position battle to Taj Gibson, Nerlens had two fouls in the first three minutes of this game, and so he really did only play, uh, like, 10-ish. Taj played a ton of first-half minutes. Nerlens had some trouble getting into his action, but he's still the guy. He's the starter. He played the final few minutes of this game, as evidenced by his missed free throws down the stretch. Uh, Taj Gibson, though, to his credit has pushed himself into streamer territory. He's not a guy that can usually be ultra-useful in 24-ish minutes of ballgame, but in a strict timeshare right now, he's probably doing just enough because he's not a terrible foul shooter. He's going to only take shots that are right in front of the rim, and he's been getting steals and blocks, which that's enough to float it. We talked a bunch about Reggie Bullock this week already As uh, someone who's kind of elevated himself above the cut line, thanks to some hot shooting lately, still need that steal. I need him to get me a steal. He was really hot early in this game, and they kind of went away from him. He didn't didn't take shots later in the ballgame. It was just Julius Randle firing away. Alfred Payton, sadly, was also doing some firing away, Uh, and it didn't quite pan out. Uh, Peyton, obviously, you're not picking him up. Burks is a drop if you were holding him. Derrick Rose played 25 minutes. He's slowly getting closer. Got off to a really quick start and then kind of ran out of gas. And I think you can blame a lot of that on COVID stuff. He just doesn't have the energy right now to sustain it for an entire ball game. But do keep a close watch on Derrick Rose. He's the guy that could move back across the cut line in the good direction. Cleveland was still without Larry Nance, who we're all starting to guess here in the fantasy community is having an inflammatory bowel disease flare up. So hopefully that gets under control here shortly. It sounds very uncomfortable if that is indeed what's going on. Meantime, Kevin Love, who was an ad a a couple days ago, just, you know, easier to add in Roto. where you know, he's going to be sitting out back to backs, but got up to 26 minutes in last night's ballgame. Nine points, eight boards, two steals. Three assists, a three-pointer. His usage will generally be higher than this. Also, usage is only 17 in this ballgame. Darius Garland's was 37 because he got real hot. And then Colin Sexton at 27. Torian Prince, higher usage than Kevin Love. Like These things are probably not going to be the norm. But still, no matter how you shake it out, the fact that Love is playing 26 minutes puts him on the radar. So get him on a roster if he wasn't already. Isaiah Hartenstein, 27 minutes, and he'll still, you know, he'll hold value here in the short term. He does have foul trouble issues in general until Nance or Jared Allen gets back. And either one of those guys coming back probably takes Hartenstein out of the equation. So I get it if you don't want to kind of fool around there. But he's been pretty good in his fill-in role. And then Torian Prince, who's kind of in a similar boat. He's been playing really well lately. Uh, I, you know, a tough tough guy to trust off the bench. But there, there have been times, I mean, a couple of years ago, he was a guy that we were targeting for a potential role increase that just sort of never happened. And I do wonder if on a team this bad, if he can't, kind of assert himself in a way that he couldn't when there were good players around him. We shall see. I don't think that he's an ad. I don't think you need to move on that anytime soon, really. I I mean, if you get him on a back-to-back, maybe, but he might sit out one half of the back-to-back. So not a guy that I'm targeting. Spurs are a real mess these days. DeJounte Murray sat this one out. He was sore. Hopefully they'll get him back for their next one because they went from bad to worse without Murray. There really wasn't a spur that you can look at and celebrate in this ballgame. They were all pretty terrible. Top to bottom. Yeesh. Move along. Let's hope it gets better for the next one. Toronto, squeezed by Washington, 103-101. There were a few fantasy notes in this game. Davis Bertans uh, had 17 points and is worth a look. (sighs) He's going to get picked up quickly. Because he's Davis Bertans, but I don't know that you have to move on him that fast. Like he got scooped up everywhere after this ball game, but he still only took five shots. And I get it. There's the question mark of well, is the trend line on his minutes played? Is that going to keep going up? Because prior to uh, sitting out, what well, I guess it was about almost about two weeks ish or so with a quad injury. He was pretty much locked into about 23, 24 minutes of ballgame, and that wasn't proving to be enough with Beal and Westbrook on the floor. Now, Bradley Beal's been out for also a week and a half, so Davis seemingly would have a little bit more opportunity here to get some shots up. He just happened to make them and then had two steals on top of the five three-pointers, going five for eight in the ballgame. I mean, it's just it's, it's not enough. 8 shots in 24 minutes. I guess that would get it done if he played more like 28 minutes. I just don't I don't think that's coming. Maybe it will. Alex Len played 29 minutes. This game had weird written all over it. Robin Lopez left with quad tightness. You know, that's part of the Alex Len thing. And then Rui Hachimura being out is part of the Davis Berton's thing. So I guess you could make an argument to stream or stream Denny Avdia because he's been rebounding well, but I, I, when Bradley Beal comes back, which I, I'm guessing is going to be quite soon, he's been a game-time call for a couple of games in a row and sat them out. At some point he's going to play. A lot of this stuff gets detonated. I don't think that I'm venturing into it all that much. I might go Bertans if you're targeting... You know, we're in specialist time of the year now, just a little over a month left in the season. So... You know, start hammering stats you need. But overall, do I think Davis is inside the top 100 rest of season? I don't, really. Malachi Flynn's an interesting streamer. He had seven defensive stats in this ballgame off the bench, but played 34 minutes, and that's really the thing you're looking at. Uh, And, you know, assuming Freddie Van Fleet and Kyle Lowry, if they miss any more time, then Malachi Flynn continues to be a very interesting streamer. Toronto loves to play fast. This ball game actually had a pretty good pace to it, but neither team could capitalize on what they were trying to do out there. Toronto couldn't hit their three pointers. Washington didn't hit their anything. <laughs> um, Siakam, well DeAndre Bembry got the start and actually had a decent basketball game, but I don't, I don't trust him as far as I can throw him. Ananobi sure, Boucher sure. Gary Trent is another question mark. He was one of the guys that is on our list to analyze. 16 points, two boards, two assists. I know he was actually pretty instrumental in squeaking out this victory for them, but this is why I keep calling him a points league type of guy. He's going to start, he's going to play decent minutes, and he's going to take a bunch of shots, but this is the kind of ball game that balances out. We saw one the other night where he had some steals, or he had some assists, where he had like six three-pointers. He does this. He doesn't rebound, he doesn't pass very much, and he doesn't steal very much. So there are going to be a lot of games where he's out there and he's basically just doing one, maybe two things. The other maybe being, is he going to score enough? The one that I think he will hit is three-pointers. He'll be a positive in three-pointers almost for sure, and I guess turnovers, but then points, maybe. Free throw percent, maybe. He's not that great there. Not super excited about Gary Trent Jr., although I get it. I mean, I'd rather stream Malachi Flynn. Best a better fantasy game, even if his role is less secure as guys come back for Toronto. Sacramento with an ugly loss on the road in Minnesota who got D'Angelo Russell back. He played 24 minutes in his return and had 25 points on a team leading 19 shots and a 41 usage rate. D'Lo was not shy making up for lost time. And, you know, honestly, that would normally be a terrible thing. If he came into a even a, a mildly contending club and did what he did last night, I would call that a huge negative. But the Wolves are... By the way, they're getting a little bit better. But generally, they're pretty bad on offense. So even just like a wild and woolly 37% shooting D'Angelo Russell... That's actually orchestrating a little bit and getting to the foul line a little bit. That's actually an upgrade for them. So this is a a rare scenario where I don't want to fade an offensive talent coming back because Minnesota has been so bad on offense that really anything helps them there. Even a, a rusty disjointed point guard. This is likely the beginning of the end for Ricky Rubio, who did still play 27 minutes last night. Uh, they, they're they willing to run D'Angelo Russell off ball a little bit, which is fine. He's a better scorer than he is a passer. But I just, I can't imagine that Rubio's going to have enough left to do besides be the guy bringing the ball into the front court. If you're punting a scoring category, you could probably stick with Rubio a little bit longer. But most of us, you know, I have one team that is, but most of my teams are not. So we'll speak of him as though, We're a normal team. What's normal, I guess? Jaden McDaniels had foul trouble again, which is a shame. uh, Gave Nas Reed an opportunity and Juancho Hernan Gomez to do a little bit more. But in general, McDaniels is the starting power forward there. And if he's not picking up five fouls in 19 minutes, he'll play 30 minutes and be uh, decent. He's been decent so far. He deserves a spot on fantasy rosters, and this game doesn't change that for me. What this game did change for me, however is that I think DeLon Wright can be safely dropped. I wanted to give him about four or five games with his new team to see if things trend in the right direction, but they aren't. Kings are running their five starters giant minutes while they make this last-ditch effort to get into a playoff spot that you know doesn't really seem to be happening. And so that's what you're left with. The bench guys just aren't going to do enough. So punt. Use it on someone else. Here, I'll give you someone you can use it on. How about Killian Hayes? Who's probably going to sit out back-to-backs for Detroit for the uh, relatively near future. But he played 25 minutes in their game last night, had 9 points, 3 boards, 7 assists, 4 steals, 2 blocks, and a 3-pointer, and didn't even have particularly high usage. If that trends up for him as he gets healthy and comfortable, he could be a very interesting fantasy player. We don't know a ton about him. We know he's not a big-time scoring threat, but he's going to have to be at least a little bit. Good passer, good defender, big guard, so it can rebound a little bit. This was, you know, this was a little bit of a shakeup game for Detroit. They sat Wayne Ellington and Mason Plumley, gave the young guy some run here on night one of the back-to-back. It sounds like Hamadou Diallo and Hayes might rest here on the second half of the back-to-back, but it did give us a glimpse, and this is easier for Games Cap Roto because you can game plan pick up a guy for one day and then get rid of him and just use up one of your games cap on, say, a guy like an Isaiah Stewart. So if Mason Plumley is going to sit out one half of their upcoming back-to-back, they have another one over the weekend, grab Isaiah Stewart in advance, use him for the game that Plumley is sitting, and then move along when he's not. And this was sort of what we thought might happen. I don't think that Plumley's going into full shutdown, at least not until maybe the last four or five games of the year. So we're still... You know, we're a good month away from that happening. So I don't think you can just squat on Stewart for a month and play him in the, you know, whatever it is, three remaining back-to-back spots because that's a valuable roster slot that you're using there. But I do think that you can game plan. There's probably enough time in between the back-to-backs where he will be off, on, and then back off of waivers so you could add and drop a few times. And then similar story with some of these other guys, although I've got to think that as the season winds down You might actually see Hayes play in a back-to-back. You might see Diallo play in a back-to-back. They want to be cautious with these dudes, but I think they also want to turn them loose a little bit. If I had to guess, I'd say Hayes probably less likely coming off this giant injury on his rookie contract. Diallo's set to be a restricted free agent, so uh, I don't think they care quite as much. I think they want to keep him. So they don't want anything super serious to happen, but I don't think they care quite as much about protecting him the way they do about Killian Hayes. Fair or not fair, that's got to be in the assessment. You could drop Corey Joseph. You could drop Dennis Smith Jr., who probably will play here on the second half of the back-to-back, but it's just not going to be enough based on what we're seeing out of this team right now. Uh, A lot of these guys are going to be really difficult to roster in head-to-head leagues because of the missed games, and because even when they play, they're not that reliable. So hold on to Mason Plumlee for now. At least you know when he plays, he's reliable. Obviously, Jerry Gr- Jeremy Grant is a hold, even though he's been in efficiency vacuum lately. And then Hayes, I'm calling him a speculative ad. Diallo, he's an ad because I, I think you can trust him enough. The free throw thing is a real pisser, and he missed a punch yesterday. I think you can trust him enough... Definitely in points leagues, and sort of in category leagues, even with the rest days. Uh, and then Isaiah Stewart is your targeting the back-to-back streamer guy. Meanwhile, the Oklahoma City, I mean, they've they've they kind of thrown in the towel a little bit on this year. No Dort, no Shea, uh, no Horford, obviously, no Baisley. These young guys are just getting steamrolled now. Uh, Theo Maladon was super inefficient in yesterday's ball game. Pretty much everybody was. Moses Brown was horrible, and then in garbage time he racked up some whatever it is, eight points and like three rebounds and a block, very late to turn it into an okay fantasy line. And then Svi, I don't know, you can call this a revenge game, I guess. Svi Mikhailuk had 17 in 26 minutes, and he's been kind of a breath of fresh air for the Thunder over this kind of embarrassing stretch of games they've been playing. I guess you could stream Svee, but I'm not confident enough to do it. I can't do it. Someone's gonna come back and it's gonna ruin that whole thing, and I don't want to waste a weekly move on it. Mavericks beat the Jazz. Dorian Finney Smith had a big ball game. He's been on a bit of a heater lately. Josh Richardson settling back in after missing a whatever, one one game, I think. Maintenance game. Uh Jalen Brunson, he's still on Kind of a warm run. No Kristaps Porzingis, so that allowed a lot of these guards. And Dallas basically went to a four-guard lineup for stretches, and it worked. They had the offensive firepower to do it. Utah's been a little clunky on the road, particularly since the All-Star break. They they seem like they've thrown it into cruise control, headed towards the playoffs. No fantasy adjustments on that side. And then on the Dallas side, looping back around, would I add Dorian Finney-Smith? Nah, Jay Rich, yes, I trust him more. Brunson, I guess, on a back-to-back. Maybe you throw him in there and hope you catch him on a warm one. It's really, you know, Nico Melli started and played 32 minutes, and he and Maxi Kleber, two starters, the power forward and center, combined to go 0 for 9 in this game, over 66 minutes, and they won. Phoenix beat Houston 133-130. Wow. Wow. This is some serious offensive overachieving. Nothing on the Phoenix side. They're the same old story every game. Houston side, Kelly Olynyk took Daniel House's spot in the starting lineup and was awesome. He is dominating right now. Jay Sean Tate. Jay Sean Tate, so great. Kevin Porter, junior, looked good here, although I think they expect to have John Wall back for their next one, so that'll move Porter back off ball, and he's just not as fantasy-friendly there. And then Christian Wood had 23 points but only three rebounds, as he looks to be kind of throwing his brain into autopilot here down the stretch, signing up. I don't think he signed up for a team that was going to be this bad, and so they got to get him up and over that mental hump, but he'll be fine. Uh, if anything, I think people are a bit worried about Christian Wood, and I would consider floating out you a know, top 60, top 70 kind of guy, see if you can get him on the cheap. Someone's going to be worried about rest days, and rightfully so. He probably will take a few, but... This feels more like a lull than anything else on the Christian Wood side. Uh, Avery Bradley played 33 minutes yesterday. That was the big surprise in the ballgame. I'm not suggesting him as a fantasy asset, not at all. In fact, he fouled out in his 33 minutes. But the fact that he played the most, no, second most minutes on the team to Christian Wood, and guys like Sterling Brown and K.J. Martin didn't, was eye-opening whatever you want to call it. Um, We actually did just get a report that John Wall got tagged with a questionable tag for tomorrow's game against the Mavericks. Uh, So we'll see. That one, you know, either way, uh, John Wall, he's been really bad this year. I want to talk about the three guys that I mentioned on yesterday's show as possible – it's not a cognitive disconnect. It's a fantasy cognitive disconnect where I think – we here at fantasy NBA today feel differently about these particular players than the fantasy community at large. And I might've been wrong. So we'll go to the data. That's how we tease it here on the show. We'll go to the data and we'll find out whether or not I was right to think that I felt differently about these guys or, you know, different valuations that creates a window. That's where you can make trades. We've said this before, going back to one of our shows, uh, really close to the beginning of the year, where I said, look, there's two ways you can make a trade in fantasy sports. Way number one is if you and the person you're trading with value the players exactly the same amount. If I say, here's a top 50 guy, and the opponent's like, okay, yeah, that is a top 50 guy, it's very easy to build a trade, as long as you agree on the other side. That's the the easy way. That's one of the two ways. If you agree on the values of all the players, then it's very easy to make a trade work. The other way is if you completely disagree on the values of players. Believe it or not, that's also makes sense. The only way that it doesn't work is if you value someone ever so slightly different and one person is trying to fleece the other. If you go into a trade with the right mindset, which is one of those two, either you're trying to make a trade to improve the ROI on your team, get someone back who fits your team better, or there's a big value gap between how you and the person you're trading with feel about a player, well, that's what I thought we might be getting into here. That's where maybe you can make a little bit of a profit margin on a trade. You don't have to fleece somebody. There's this issue like, oh, can I give these two clunkers and get this one really good player back? No, it doesn't have to be that way. It just has to be a difference of opinion on a player. That's, that's how you can get it done. I had that with someone on Mitchell Robinson earlier this year. And then of course he broke his hand and then his foot. And so that one imploded in a hurry. Uh, and clearly I lost out on that trade, but I thought Mitchell Robinson, who was playing 30 some odd minutes for Thibodeau was actually on his way up before his body collapsed. So that I think, and I know I'm repeating myself. That's, Sort of my thing here on Fantasy NBA today. I get I am a bit long-winded. I want to talk about the three players who I thought yesterday, mentioned yesterday on the show, guys that I felt I believed I had different opinions on than the the general fantasy playing public. Before I do that, I haven't bugged you guys about this in a little bit. Um, please do rate and review the podcast. Many of you did it for our contest a couple weeks ago, but um, I'm guessing a few of you are probably newer listeners. That'd be awesome if you are. Please do take a minute to drop a five-star review on the show over at the podcast app or on iTunes. Search for Fantasy NBA Today. Click on the show title, not one of the episode names. Click on the show title box. And if you're on your phone or a mobile app, uh, scroll down. From there, And the rating and reviewing is at the bottom, way bottom of that next page after you click on the show title. If you're on iTunes, there's a little rate and review tab, so that's much easier to find. Either way, please do drop a five-star review on the show. If you want to write something, cool. If not, also fine. Uh, I'll be very grateful. It's not that important for today, but it is very important when people are searching for a new podcast to listen to about fantasy sports, which generally tends to happen more so, at least in bulk— Leading up to the start of a new season. So every time we add 100, 200 reviews or whatever it is, it moves us up the leaderboard going into the following year. And that's how we can pick off some new listeners. We can make our advertisers happy. And we can keep doing this show for free forever. Speaking of our advertisers, please do check them out. MyBookie.ag, manscaped.com. Promo codes between those two spots at mybookie.ag. The promo code is HoopBall. Use that during sign-up process. That'll unlock some deposit bonuses. You won't get an alert about it. They'll just become available when you make your first deposit. And over at Manscaped, uh, use promo code HoopBall20 to get 20% off and free shipping on your order. Again, that is at manscaped.com. So the three players that I mentioned on yesterday's show were Gary Trent Jr., Evan Fournier, who just got dropped into the uh, health and safety protocols today, so perhaps that screws things up a little bit. And Larry Markkinen. I'm not working through them in any particular order, but I made a poll for each of these guys to say, okay, general public, what do you guys think these players' rest-of-season ranking looks like? And for Larry Markkinen, 56% of responders thought that he would finish outside the top 125. 37% thought near the top 100, and only 7% thought 75-ish range or better. This is actually a spot where I feel like I have a slight disagreement with the general public. Larry Markin right now is number 107, in about 29 minutes per ballgame, largely because he has done nothing on the defensive side of the basketball. His percentages are actually decent this year, turnovers relatively low. Okay. Uh I think that he can actually get near that mark coming off the bench. I think it's just taking time. You're gonna see Markinen probably dropped in some spots. And if not, you're going to see teams either bench him or just freak out if he has a few more rough ball games. But I, I think his minutes are going to be in the mid-20s, which should knock him down from this mark. But I also think that his usage should trend up, playing largely with a bench unit, so he's not competing with guys like Niko Vucevic and Zach Levine for touches. You know, he becomes the primary scorer in the second unit. So you might see the scoring not change all that much. Field goal attempts might not change all that much, even if his playing time decreases. Do I think he goes above top 100? Uh, eh, probably not. Which makes this a very narrow profit margin player. But the fact that a lot of people think he's going to finish outside the top 125 means you could probably offer up someone in the 110 range... And maybe get him back. If Serge Ibaka was healthy, that'd be someone you could throw out there. Josh Richardson. LaMarcus Aldridge, if there's some buzz around him playing in Brooklyn. Kevin Herter, if he posts a decent ball game, I don't know if I'd go a whole lot higher than that. Bobby Portis. P.J. Washington. These are guys, Jordan Clarkson even. These are guys that I would actually consider offering up for Markkanen on the hope that he can be a force off the bench. It might not work out, but you probably weren't all that excited about those guys anyway. Next player on our chart was Evan Fournier, and I gave people similar options. They are a little bit, oddly enough, more bullish on Fournier than on uh, Larry Markkinen. 7%, just like before, I thought he would finish top 70 or around 70 or better, 32% around the edge of the top 100, 43% around 125, and then 18% thought outside the top 150. This actually runs relatively tight to what I was thinking on Fournier, which is he'll take a hit. He was going to be, if he was healthy this year in Orlando, he probably would have been in that 80 range. Uh, He probably takes a hit into the 110 to 140 window. So the world actually values Evan Fournier the same as I do. So there's no disconnect on that one. I don't think there's a trade to be made there. And finally, Gary Trent Jr. Uh, The numbers on him, 37%, only 37% said outside the top 100. 40% said between 80 and 100. 18% said between 60 and 80. And 5% said better than the top 60. Here's the beauty part. There's no wrong answer to these polls because they are really about gauging public opinion on a player i am lower on gary trent jr than the public opinion safe to say i'm ever so slightly higher on larry markinen almost right in lockstep on evan fournier and i am lower on gary trent jr i'm in that 37 percent that thinks he finishes outside the top 100 in nine category leagues because of categorical limitations the fact that 23 percent of people think top 80 or better Means that if you picked up Gary Trent, there are 23% of GMs out there that you could offer him up and ask for, hell, you don't even have to shoot that high. I mean, these are people that think 80, top 80 or better. Uh, 63% of people polled thought inside the top 100. Look at some of the names of guys in the top 100. Brandon Clark at 92? People have probably been kind of frustrated with him this year. You might be able to get Brandon Clark for Gary Trent pickup. Joe Harris? Joe Ingles? I'm I'm not even inside the top 80 yet, guys. I'm in the—I'm actually in the high 80s right now. By the way, did you guys know Danny Green was number 82? Surprised the hell out of me when I saw that earlier today. Um— I don't think you're going to be able to get healed or Levert because those guys score more. But if you're targeting guys that don't score all that much, Brooke Lopez at 85. Maybe someone, I mean, 5% of people thought inside the top 60, maybe you could go get Marcus Smart, Thad Young, TJ McConnell at 79 on the year. I mean, we're talking about proven assets for Gary Trent, who we've seen doesn't really do stuff besides score. And right now it's your perfect opportunity because a lot of folks are going to forget that Kyle Lowry's out or they're going to forget that Freddie Van Fleet was out because Trent was starting anyway. So there's this, this piece of the brain that doesn't make the link there. And it, and it happens to all of us. It happens to me as well. Uh, when you look at a guy and you're like, oh, well, look, he was starting before they went out he's starting after they went out. So, you know, didn't really change. Yeah, it did. It changed his job. It changed his job from lone gunner, lone gunner, firing shots, to be a part of an offense, maybe even help orchestrate. Technically, he was the starting point guard for that team yesterday, and he had two assists. So, hell yeah. There's Even though I'm not that high on Gary Trent, I picked him up in a couple of spots specifically for this reason, to look at what people think of him and then... I mean, really, like, if I can move him for someone between 80 and 100, I almost definitely do it. I can count the number of people, and out of that 20, I could list off the people in that 20 I just range I just made, between 80 and 100, which I guess is 21 names if you include both ends, uh, that I wouldn't, would not take back for Gary Trent Jr. The list of people on that group are obviously Thomas Bryant, because he's out for the year. Um... Uh, Nick Batum, because he's trending down. Justin Holiday, because he's been trending down. Uh, Fournier, who I think works now outside of the Gary Trent window. I think he's, he finishes behind him by a little bit. Uh, Delon Wright, who's also been trending down. So that's pretty much it. Between 80 and 100, those are basically the only names I wouldn't take back. Also, by the way, did you guys know Ben Simmons is ranked 95th? I honestly had no idea. I thought he was in the 60s. Yeesh, that's a rough one it's not just the free throw shooting. They're just a different offense this year. All the good things that have happened for Tobias Harris, the exact opposite stuff has happened uh, for poor Ben Simmons. So uh, that to me was interesting. And I don't know how many of you guys still have trade deadlines outside of where we are right now. I hope that you do. I think it's fun to set it like almost right before your playoffs start or about a month before the end of the season. But that to me was illuminating because now we figured out Hey, look, there's a there's a profit margin. Gary Trent may be more than the other guys that we just talked about. Let's break down the uh Tuesday card. Remember what day of the week it was. We've got an eight gamer tonight. Chicago is at Indiana. Chicago, as we mentioned during our, our recap portion, they're getting close. Oh, excuse me, that was a that was a different show. Uh didn't mention during the recap portion. Um uh, they're getting there. Zach, Thad, Vooch, those are your obvious holds right now, your obvious go guys. Uh, Sounds like Kobe White might be back out of health and safety protocols. He was questionable, and then he got upgraded to probable, or he missed one. So it's not entirely clear what happened there. Maybe an exposure that didn't turn out to be an exposure, but he hasn't been very good anyway. But watch Larry Markkinen. As this team settles in, he's going to do more question, of course, is how much more? On the Indiana side, you're watching Brogdon and Sabonis, really, if those guys play or not. I'm not confident enough to stream replacements other than knowing, look, TJ McConnell, you were starting anyway, and he would just get a fat boost if Brogdon sat this one out. Philadelphia should have Embiid back, so they become very easy to handicap. Boston without Evan Fournier, still pretty damn easy to handicap. Lakers, uh, Andre Drummond may get into this ball game, at which point you wonder, really, what does that team look like with Drummond playing big center minutes? Does he just blow up the entire fantasy operation? Montres Harrell had been putting up okay numbers lately. He's a top 100 type of guy. Dennis Schroeder had been better lately. Kuz had been a little better lately. Who survives? Andre Drummond joining the team. And Drummond's not going to be that good. We should also note this isn't going to be like Detroit Drummond, where he can just camp out under the rim and collect rebounds. The Lakers are going to be expecting him to chase people, to move a lot on defense. So team rebounding, he'll still get a bunch because he's a good rebounder and he'll get some offensive boards. But it's not going to be the kind of overwhelming board numbers that he's put up in, his, in the past. He's worth rostering, no question, but don't expect much. And on the Toronto side, it'll just come down to who's playing again. Malachi Flynn, he's your streamer if both Van Vliet and Lowry remain out, which I'm guessing they will be. Watch the injury news. I'm not starting DeAndre Bembry. I can't do it, especially against a good defensive team. Lakers play defense. Pelicans, injury reporting again. I'm streaming the hell out of James Johnson if I find out Zion and Brandon Ingram are back out. And really, I think I'm streaming Johnson if either one of them is out. I don't even need both out. Because it sounds like Stephen Adams is in a concussion protocol. Nikhil Alexander-Walker is hurt. Kira Lewis Jr. is hurt. I think James Johnson has a role provided one of the two. Zion-Ingram pair is out. If they're both back, that might make me nervous. Because they might run Willie Hernan Gomez at the five. Really, I I guess it'll come down to the starting lineup. The more I think about it. Who cares who's in and out? If James Johnson starts, you start him. His fantasy game is crazy good. This is also part of a back-to-back for the Pels, so we might be able to squeeze out a little bit there. That team's falling apart at the seams. Hawks, it uh, seems like everybody's basically out for them. Capella's probable. No Collins, no Reddish. Uh, so, you know, same same lineup as the last one. Bogdan and Herter, those guys have been doing more. Bogdan's your, the guy you're streaming right now, just to see kind of how this all shakes out. We have no idea if Hunter... Reddish, if or when those guys are ever getting back. So just keep on doing what you're doing. Grizzlies without De'Anthony Melton means Grayson Allen is probably in a good spot for streaming. And it, may, it might be a few ball games too. Like, he's been—he actually played pretty well in our last one. Had some steals, had some blocks. He'll get some shots up here without Melton breathing down his neck. He'll probably play, I would think, 29 to 32 minutes in the ball game. And he'll get you some three-pointers and some steals for the most part. But, you know, fantasy-wise, he has not actually been that terrible when he's been given the minutes. And you just kind of have to look and and check out minutes per game because he pretty consistently gets himself hurt. Grayson Allen, uh, wildly under-rostered, decent fantasy player right now. So throw him on the radar. Uh, This is actually the front end of a Memphis back-to-back so an opportunity to steal a few. They've got four games between now and the end of the week. Uh, pretty good scheduling spot for them. And, you know, Allen's the starter when uh, even when Melton's healthy. But here, there just sort of isn't anybody coming for those minutes. I know I had to flip that one on its head, but whatever. That's how we are now. Miami working in Victorola Depot, not a whole lot to monitor there. Detroit seems like most of the guys are going to be back and playing, but then does that mean Killian Hayes uh, and Hamadou Diallo are out for this one? So just more data to collect. I'd be very careful with who you're streaming on the Detroit side. They're liable to get their butts handed to them by the Nuggets, who recently became a team we don't need to handicap anymore. The Bucks are also a team we don't really need to handicap. The Warriors, also a team we don't really need to handicap. The Blazers, uh, Yusuf Nurkic, likely to miss this ballgame with a new injury that cropped up, which means Ennis Cantor is back, baby. He's ready to roll. And then on the Clippers' side, uh, I think you've pretty much paired this thing down to four guys. You can consider the two superstars. Ivica Zubac here has been very good. They signed DeMarcus Cousins, but I don't worry about that really impacting things very much, and then Marcus Morris has been pretty good lately as well. Okay, let's get you going. That was fun. I like digging into some of that data. Uh, Looking at, again, and and that's something we'll do as we work our way through. I just, I didn't see anyone, you know, maybe LaMarcus Aldridge, Kevin Love, Davis Bretons. Those are the guys where maybe I could see a slight disagreement between how we evaluate them and how the general public does but i think for the most part like people are slightly optimistic on lamarcus aldridge and kevin love there's there's going to be a a trepidation because of injury so we all probably agree there Breton's might be the one so maybe we'll do a little Breton's research today this is good stuff i think this is important i think we'll do more of this really leading into next season when the trade deadline is not coming up on you guys so quick. But uh, we'll we'll demo that a little bit now. That was fun for me yesterday. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that as well. Uh, once again, please do rate and review the podcast. Please do, and I know I said one was going to do the recruiting thing, but uh, we really are hunting for DFS contributors' opportunity to sort of expand that division. It's a quick pipeline. Uh, hit me up, at Dan Vespers on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. I said I was going to try to ram something down your throat today. I kind of forgot to do it. Please do check out the HoopBall Fantasy Pass. You're coming up on your playoffs. You could really just spend $4.99 to get a month of Fantasy Pass and access to our pros in the HoopBall Discord all the time. And, like, honestly, to me, this feels like a really good investment. Wait, like, one week. Eh. Eh, just do it now, man. Get a Fantasy Pass now, and then you can just bug me and the HoopBall pros as you make all of your decisions leading into your playoffs. You got this far. Let us get you over the hurdle. I don't know what you have. Three, four, five, six hundred bucks maybe on the line. You could probably spend five to help a pro get you through it. Have a pro help get you through it might be been a better way to say that. Okay. Again, Dan Basper's Fantasy NBA Today. Hoop Ball. You guys know the drill. Go get a fantasy pass. Get into our Discord, people. I don't know how you guys. Many of you are subscribers that are not using Discord access to the pros and You you ought to be. We'll talk more about that in tomorrow's show. Then I guess that'll be that. For real this time. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. We'll talk to you Wednesday morning. So long.